Welcome to the Spiritual Phoenix Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Cessna, and I bring you, the Phoenix Family, a weekly podcast about alchemy, spirituality, magic, mysticism, and more. The Spiritual Phoenix Podcast is fan-funded, and you can contribute with the link in the show notes. Other ways to show your support include subscribing to our YouTube channel, leaving us excellent reviews wherever possible, engaging with our content on social media, shooting me an email, and sending an audio message through the Anchor app. This is a community podcast. I'm just the humble host. Let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. We are joined today uh, by Chris Orozco. Did I, say, did I say it right? Good enough. Good enough. Chris, how are you doing today, brother? I'm doing really good, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for taking the time out, man. Uh, I've enjoyed talking to you a little bit earlier this week and then a little bit before, so I'm sure we're in for a great show. Um, real quick, can you tell people who you are and what you do? Yeah. So uh, my name is Chris Orozco, like you said, um, and I teach shadow integration work. And basically what that means is I help people take a look at all the different parts of their personalities that they've rejected, and I help them find a place for it. And like a real concrete example of that is the main thing I help people do is find their, their more selfish parts and integrate them into their lives. And that looks like somebody who's bad at holding boundaries or somebody who doesn't like to say no to people or anything like that because they generally feel bad. It's because they've taken all the selfish parts of their personality and shoved them into their shadow. And I help them reclaim them so that they can still be loving and still set boundaries and take care of themselves while without losing their core essence. Wow. I, I like the way that you put all that together. And it, uh, when we were talking earlier, it's some, definitely something that I've kind of done in my own way. Uh, but it's nice to see that somebody's actually teaching that to people because I think that that's really fundamentally um, what people need right now is to learn how to, to utilize that stuff. Like we had talked earlier in the week too, there's a lot of power there that when properly harnessed, can really give people a better quality of life than they've ever expected. So it's very honorable that that's what you're doing. Thanks, man. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. It's that's one of the big things about it is that the this the shadow, which is you know just a, a fancy term for all the stuff that we reject. It's like we don't. A lot of times we look at it as this pain in the ass thing, or it's like oh my anxiety, or oh my fear, or oh my guilt, and all this stuff, and we feel victimized by it. But the reality of the situation is that all that stuff is, is quite literally power waiting to be used. Where if it's just like, why am I afraid? Why am I angry? Why am I this? It's like, oh, for these reasons. These are valid fucking reasons. Like, let me do something about those and I'll become a, a more whole and healthy person. And one of the big things I said that I want to do with my career, like which you alluded to, is to show people how... They're like, yeah, maybe it is scary, but it's, it's also the source of everything you've ever wanted. Quite literally, everything you've ever wanted is, is in there, just waiting to be found. Yeah, I really, really like that. Um, I have a question that came up from what you just said, but I'm going to ask you a preliminary question that I, I normally ask everybody. What are cool. you grateful for today? Oh, that's a good one, man. What am I grateful for today? Um, honestly, it, it's reminiscent of something we were talking about before we started recording, but I'm, I'm feeling really grateful today for the amount of hard work I did leading up to today that nobody saw, that wasn't glamorous, that wasn't cool or anything like that, but it got me to where I am, to where I have you know a business that I feel good about and clients that I love and, 
and, and a life that I feel good about. Like that was built off of years and years of, of work that nobody could see and didn't look good. So I'm, I'm grateful for commitment, dedication. Hmm. That's incredibly inspirational because I'm in like the middle of that whole process like we were talking about too. So it's nice to hear somebody like at a different stage, like I really appreciate that. Um, so the question that I wanted to ask that came up with what you were saying earlier is, what is your take on the ego? Is it kind of the bastard that everybody makes it out to be? Or is there maybe something good in there that we're losing? Yeah, that's a great question, man. Um, I'm actually shifting my relationship with the ego. Um, because I used to think of it as, you know, I, I heard this quote from Ram Dass when I was like 19. And it was like, the idea is to be free of your ego, not just to have a really good looking ego. And I was like, well, that's kind of whack because, you know, you have to have an ego for the rest of your life and your ego defines your relationships and your ego defines how you present yourself in the world and your ego defines your persona and it, it essentially defines your quality of life to a very large degree. So it's like, yeah, you probably should have that sorted out. You probably should have a, a good, healthy one that functions in the ways that you want to have it function that are going to take you in the directions that you want to take while also ignoring that it is capable of being this like bratty stepchild type of thing <laughs> where it's like if you don't keep it under control and if you don't keep awareness of what it essentially is and the role it has to play which is to interact with the world around you if you identify with it then you're going to have problems you know like for me I'll be totally honest arrogance is a big problem for me and sometimes I get very sure of myself and I stop listening to people and I can even get kind of condescending from time to time. And so that's me not keeping my ego in check. Like I love the ego. I work with it. Um, it's, it's one of my favorite things because it makes relationships fun. And, and it makes life fun. And it, it gives me a little bit of a flavor that no one else has. So I, I really love it. And at the same time, it's like you got to kind of keep it in its place or else it really can wreak havoc on your life. Hmm. So it's kind of like a, like a, a puppy or something where you have to like train it to like, so it's not pissing on the rug, but you still want to be able to like play with it and throw the ball and like take it to the park. Yeah, exactly. You want to be able to take it on the park without it like humping out all the other dogs. You know, <laughs> you want to be like, whoa, dude, chill for a minute. Like that's, you're in public. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard, I'm sure you've heard of Alan Watts. Have you ever heard his quote, uh, Losing the ego is the biggest ego trip out there. <laughs> no, but I like that. Yeah, I always found that phenomenal. That's one of the things for me, like, I have it, such a hard time when people say, oh, you got to lose the ego. And it, everything that you said, um, I couldn't sa have said it so eloquently, but it's like, there's a purpose for it. It's not here for like, no reason. It's not like the appendix of my psyche. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about it is like, you know, I, when I first started getting into, you know, changing my internal world, you know, I was really all messed up inside and I went to Eastern spirituality first and it's very spirit based. And now after studying, you know, psychology and Western philosophy and all those sort of things, I, I've kind of come to this conclusion last week, actually, it's like, if all I was supposed to do was work on spirit stuff, I'd probably be dead. Like I pr probably wouldn't have a body. And I probably wouldn't have a brain and I wouldn't be in a vessel with intricate psychology if I wasn't supposed to do something with it. It doesn't make sense to just be here to bypass all of that and then die like that, especially when life can be enjoyed to the degree that it can be enjoyed. Like there's so much pleasure you can squeeze out of life, even in the suffering. So it's like, why, why go why circumvent all that? And why skip all that? It's like, it's all connected. So I'd rather just do all of it. 
Yeah, it's it's like being a bodybuilder and only focusing on the body, but never kind of accessing the mind or spirit. When you focus on one thing, all the others atrophy. And for me, like I have to focus on body, mind, and soul to have like a a well balanced life to like live to my ultimate potential. And for me, it's about showing up to all those different areas to the best of my ability and like refining what that means in order to get the most out of this experience. Because when I first started my journey, like I thought it was all about spirit too. But then like, like you said, man, I found that it's not about like getting a hotel room, going on vacation and staying in the hotel room the whole time. It's about like actually exploring the city. (laughs) Dude, that is, that is an absolutely perfect analogy. I love that so much. And you know, for me, it's like one of my biggest fears is regret. Like, I don't want to live a life unlived. Mm -hmm. You know, like I suffered from serious mental illness for just about all my life. And it caused me to miss out on a lot. And when you sit there, you know, in bed or too paralyzed by fear to do things and you literally watch your life pass you by, it's like, whoa, this is, this can't go on like this anymore. And so, but that, but with that said, it's like, I do still care about spirituality or the, which is another one of the things that goes into our ego conversation of you have to put the ego in place because you also need to have the spirit because there's only so much that the ego can do. There's only so much it can see. And if you really want to be held by some kind of guiding force or whatever, even if it's just your unconscious mind, because that's a guiding force, whatever it might be, you have to give the ego a rest. And so I think I believe in integrating the two of like having a strong spirit as well as a a well-constructed mind. Hmm. So the spirit is almost kind of like the leash for the ego in some regard to keep it from humping the person's dog at the park. Yeah, exactly. And it's also the ego is kind of the early warning system for when you're not paying attention to spirit. It's like, is your ego all jacked up? It's like, okay, well, what messages are you not listening to? Like, where are you running away from what you know to be true and from whatever force you trust is trying to show you? Because if you're running away from the truth, it's going to jack you up. And if you're facing the truth, then you're probably going to be fine. I really like that as well, because I've definitely noticed that in my own experience, kind of when I'm in my feels a little too much, as people <laughs> say, like it's normally because I'm not practicing some kind of spiritual principle or like not learning the lesson. And it's like the equivalent of like burning my hand on the stove and being like, maybe I shouldn't do this, or maybe there's a better way to uh, go about this situation. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, you had mentioned that you had like this um, experience with mental health. Is that kind of where you started this whole process of working on your shadow and everything? Like, how did you get into doing what you're doing now? Yeah, I was honestly very fortunate. I was, um, so my dad died when I was seven. I saw it happen. I was, I was in the room and uh, you know, that messed me up pretty bad. And I was also raised by Jehovah's Witnesses who didn't have answers for the questions that I had. You know, because I, I started thinking and I was like, whoa, hold on, wait a minute. Like th- the world is obviously different than what you guys have told me because I'm seven and I just lost my father and I saw it happen. Like obviously the world is much more hostile than you want me to believe it is. So I need to figure out what's going on here. And obviously I'm much more helpless. And this whole idea that, you know, God's going to take care of everything. It's like, well, there's obviously more to that. So I started asking all these questions and nobody could give me answers. And so I decided to go and search on my own and that eventually led me to San Francisco where I was in the midst of a mental breakdown. I'd been doing a lot of psychedelics and psychedelics and mental illness don't go well together (laughs) to say the least. And uh, so I was living with 
uh, three witches at the time, actually. And my friend Allie looks at me and she says something that changed my life. And she says, dude, you're not broken. You're just taking really shitty care of yourself. Hmm. For some reason, I just accepted that as true in the moment. And I was like, what are you talking about? What? Tell me more about that. I believe that for some reason. And she gave me this book called uh, Embracing Ourselves by Hal and Sidra Stone. And it breaks the shadow down and really, they don't even call it shadow work, I don't think. They call it voice dialogue work. And, but it plays into the shadow. Because essentially what they do is they teach this model, which is also matches up with the psychoanalytic model, that you're not just one thing. You're a collection of selves. And so it's like you got the party that loves connecting with people and the party that hates connecting with people and, you know, all those different things. And they exist in varying degrees of health and their health depends on how well I'm listening to them and how well I'm integrating the, their concerns into my life. And am I actually taking care of them? That's going to d- define their health. And so when I figured that out, it was like, oh my God, like I really have just been taking crap crappy care of myself. And the only reason I'm in this shape is because I've been mean to myself and I've, I've, I've turned myself into, in, into this vehicle for suffering based on my own actions. I was like, Holy crap. That's like, I got really sad for, for how much I'd been hurting myself and what I'd put myself through and, and just how twisted my mind had become through all that, all those years of abuse. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I got to do something about this. And through doing that, I started to get a really good understanding of how the internal world worked by just looking at all my stuff and figuring out how all these different parts of myself relate to each other and what makes them healthier and what makes them unhealthier. And, and it, there was, there were some pretty clear universals, but there was also some more complexity to it. And one day, like I looked around at my life and I was like, wow, I don't, I'm not afraid to be in my head anymore. Like I don't hate my life anymore. I'm, my thoughts don't scare me anymore. In fact, my thoughts are inspiring to me and they make me happy. And I was like, Jesus, I didn't think that was ever going to be possible for me. I thought I had to end my life. Like I thought I was done. And then a few years later, it's like, I have something to teach with my mind. Like, Oh my God, that's incredible. Just so just the fact that I had changed that much was like, no, I do have something to share with people and, and I'm going to. And so I've been doing it for six years. That's awesome, man. Definitely a very inspiring story. Like I had said before, there's a lot of um, similarities between our stories as well. So it definitely gives me even more encouragement um, with what I'm doing. Would you mind like kind of explaining like what a typical session would be with you? Like if if somebody wanted to book your your services or something like that? Yeah, totally. So um, a basic, so my packages work in the way where I really go as, as hardcore as I can to help people out whether it's with my free content or in my, in my group courses or my one-on-one, but I, I try to really give people enough tools to where they can surpass me in their knowledge and their practice relatively soon. Hmm. Um, and so with my personal clients, like I will, we do a whole bunch of pre-work. Like I have a, a shadow integration course that I send them. It's a, it's a self training course. And then we also create a a private course for them where it's like I I go and hang out with them for a few hours and we map out where it is they want to go. And I have a unique take on creating a vision where it's like, I feel like a lot of people will have you create a vision just as a formality. Um, But for me, it's more about connecting to the part of you that creates the vision and building a relationship with that so that it can grow and expand and, and kind of take over the rest of your mind. And then we dig into their values because it's like, you need to know where it is you want to go and who's guiding you there. But you also need to know 
how to go about it so that you can still feel good about yourself. So like, mm. those are the two things I knock out first so that when you're digging through the shadow, you're not digging through aimlessly because you can get lost. You know, it's like, it's an endless sea and you can swim in there forever. And so I try to anchor people to, to goals so that their shadow integration is in service of something. And then, you know, we just talk and we see how the principles integrate into their lives. And it's like, okay, so like, here's an area of your, where your shadow is in control. And then we dig and we try and figure out like what, what this thing's trying to accomplish. And it's always trying to protect you in some way. And so as we dig deeper, we figure out, oh, it's just trying to protect you from rejection or failure or whatever. And like, what's a better way to protect you from that? And then the fear goes away. Once that part of you understands that you give a shit and that you care and that you're going to do something to help it, the fear goes away and it just relaxes. And so that's kind of, it's, it's a lot of pre-work so that I can really understand what, where someone's coming from and so that they can really understand where they're coming from. And then after that, it's just conversations to see how it all fits together. From what I gathered too, you're doing it more in a position of empowering them to take control um, of, of their own process and you just kind of walking them through it and not leaving them hanging as they're sorting through all of it, which I have a lot of respect for um, in the sense that like, I didn't have anybody to hold my hand when I went through it and it's fucking scary and it's dark and it's uncomfortable and pleasant. So it is nice that you are there to help people get through it, but ultimately you're kind of letting them develop themselves. So going forward, they can kind of do their own work if they so choose and making them whole strong individuals with legs mm -hmm. to stand on, which I, I think is very admirable. You're not creating like, um, like what's the word? How do I want to say it? You're like actually healing people or, or allowing people to heal themselves so they don't have to like keep going for you to you for their fix, like for the rest of their lives, which I think. Yeah, exactly. Like I became aware that um, it's easy for people to, cause like when I first got started with all this, it was like, I didn't go to college. I barely graduated high school. Who the hell am I to do this? Like there's, there's people that go through so much training and there's ethics and there's so much to consider before blindly just going into this thing. And I, I realized that early on that it's very easy to form a dependent relationship in this type of work. And I didn't want to form dependent relationships because um, my work is largely a form of political activism where I want people to be able to see the world clearly and not be, not be clouded by their shadow projections. And I want people to be able to look at people that disagree with them and, and find the underlying value. And I want us all to see the world clearly so that, so that we can address the problems that we face as a people clearly. And the only way we can do that is by having clear minds. And so I'm working against my own goals if I keep people dependent on me. I want to, to get people solid and thinking clearly and able to process their shit and able to be emotionally sustainable so that they can go out the world and do something with it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I definitely have a lot of respect for that because again, it's something similar that I hope to do when I get to that stage as well, where it's people aren't dependent upon me. It's shit for a business model in some ways, but it's really good for like being a decent human being and providing something for people that you really believe in. Um, mm -hmm. While we're on the subject of your business, if people want to book with you or connect with you on social media and all of that stuff, um, can you throw out your links and I'll put them in the show notes as well? Yeah, totally. So the number of the best place to reach uh, out to me would be Instagram and it's uh, operation, just like the word, like the word in the game and then underscore and then moksha, which is M-O-K-S-H-A, which is a Sanskrit word for liberation. Hmm. That's the best place. I have a YouTube channel. Um, I have a Facebook page. 
Um, I don't have a website at the moment, but Instagram is the best place to reach out to me just because that's where I am most of the time. And that's where I share the most of my thoughts and most of my work and most of myself. And I'm just there the most. Okay. Awesome. It's interesting to hear Moksha come up again, because one of my ex-girlfriends was in a band Moksha in Las Vegas. And then, um, somebody else I connected with in my journey within the past couple of years was into that as well. And it's all been like throughout my process of liberation. So it's interesting as like a signpost. Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I uh, so Operation Moksha, the I the name is actually, uh, it's an integration of my two two influences that I really care about. Where Operation I or Operation Moksha is a ripoff of a band Operation Ivy that I really like, and they're like a 1980s ska punk band where they wrote this song called Unity, and that song basically like encompasses everything that my work is about where it's about like, we don't care if you look like us. We don't care if you sound like us. We don't care if you think like us. We don't give a shit who you are for any reason whatsoever anymore. It's time for all of us to come together. Every single one of us. Even if we used to hate each other, like it's time to give that up. Hmm. And then Moksha is the, the liberation, which actually allows us to do that. And so to me, it's like a combination of like my punk rock ethos and my kind of transformational mindset. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a very cool concept when explained like that. Um, speaking of punk rock, have you ever listened to like Ramshackle Glory or uh, Wingnut no. Dishwasher Union? No, never heard of them. I'll have to send you something after we're done. Yeah, it just popped in my mind. Um, so, what do you think is like the most important thing um, for people to know at this stage, or like what's the thing that you're focusing on the most in your own personal practice that would be benefit beneficial to other people? Yeah. Um, something we were kind of talking about earlier is just how, how, uh, what's the word? Um, how non-intuitive, I forget how to say it, but how, um, counterintuitive this work actually is and how a lot of times the things that we think would work best work the worst and the things that we would never think to do are actually exactly what we need. And an example of that is, a lot of us think it's like, we think that willpower is our way to deal with fear and, and all these sorts of things. You know, it's like, if I can just fight through these things and I win and it's like, nope, that's how you make them stronger. That's how you create a long-term battle that you will eventually run out of energy to fight and you'll eventually lose. And so don't do that. Instead, accept the fact that you're afraid. Love the fact that you're afraid. Accept that you're afraid for a reason and that you might actually be afraid for a good reason. Like an example that I give is like somebody public speaking and they're terrifying or they're terrified and they think, why am I terrified? You're going to get a whole bunch of reasons. One is because you've got judgments about yourself as a fundamental human being and those can be thrown away. But then you might actually find like, oh shit, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know my material enough or I didn't practice enough or maybe this is the wrong audience for me. Or you actually get really valuable insights from looking at why you're afraid of something or why you're angry at something or anything like that. But a lot of times we, especially, which is very unfortunate about the way that a lot of the spiritual community developed where we just kind of have this knee jerk reaction to fear as if it's just inherently bad. And it's like, no, that's a very valuable survival tool. We would not be here at this level where we can even consider fear bad if it weren't for fear. It's tremendously valuable and same with anger and same with shame and same with all the things that we're trying to put away with. It's just, we just, they're so valuable. And that's the thing I'd love to share with the world, both on, in, on a personal level and on a collective level, because it's like, if you can learn 
to find the worst parts of your personality and love them until they show you what they're really all about. And then you go, oh my God, that's beautiful. I'm going to use that in my life. When you can do that with the worst parts of your personality, you become capable of doing that with the worst parts of humanity. Hmm. And it's like, dude, if, if we can do that with ourselves and then if we can in, in, in turn do that with the world around us, it's like world peace in a generation or two. Yeah, man, the revolution is definitely internalized and then outwardly expressed. And that's how like unity is created. One of the things that came up, um, like with the first thing of what you said, I definitely found that the truth normally is sandwiched between paradoxes. It's almost yes. like it's like a, a little diamond created by the pressure of the paradoxes or something. Yeah. And then the other thing is in regards to like acknowledging these pain points and like trying to push them away or whatever. It's, it's like if you had a like a, a cut on you and you just didn't pay attention to it, it has the potential to fester and actually become way worse. And then yep. like infect like all of this other stuff. And it's like you have to address it and clean it. It hurts for a reason, probably because there's something to look at there rather than like positive think or like love and light it away, mm -hmm. which is just sweeping it under the It's like putting a Band-Aid on a on a like a ampute amputee amputation i don't know why that was so hard to say <laughs> yeah it, and it totally is and a lot of the times it actually makes the thing even worse like mm. you know, for my own life it was it was anger that i had to deal with the thing the first thing that i had to face you know because i i was a really angry kid after seeing my dad die you know i had like fucking rage issues especially because no one could could help me because i had all these questions no one could answer so i was just pissed and then after enough time of, of wielding that unconsciously and hurting people and all sorts of stuff, I put it away because I was like, whoa, that's really dangerous. I need to never, ever let that out of its cage ever again. And over enough time of, of fighting to keep it in its cage and it fighting to get out of the cage, eventually I lost. And suddenly it, it started turning into these really horrifying thoughts that I thought I had to end my life to, to protect the people around me from, from ever manifesting. And... So a lot of times when you push this stuff down, you actually create a conflict where it, it has to fight against you because all of humanity, every single part of every individual wants to be heard and will mm. fight like hell to be heard and will do whatever it has to do to be heard. And so even if it has to go through you to be heard, it will do it because that is how strong human beings are. That's, that's the level of fight for survival that we have. And you have to respect that. You have to respect the fact that these like weird, slow, squishy, not well adapted to a hostile environment creatures somehow manage to climb the top of the food chain. And it's like there's there's something going on with the power of human beings, and you can't you can't stifle them, or you, or you do at your own risk because we just or we're just way too strong. That's definitely I, I like what you said there too. One of the pictures that came up when you were talking about like the anger and trying to like suppress it. And this is something I've had to deal with as well. Um, it's like pinching off a hose in a cartoon where like it builds that big balloon up yep. and then the characters like flying everywhere directed yep. by the hose. <laughs> um, but yeah, like one of the things that I found on my own journey is a lot of the issues that I have with other people are actually relative to how I relate with myself as well. Mm. Like I would feel like people don't listen to me, but here I am not listening to myself and I'm inflicting all of this harm by not listening to myself and by mm -hmm. anything that I intuitively feel or naturally feel I'm like, it shouldn't feel that way. I'm like shooting all over myself and like making myself <laughs> feel like crap and then projecting it onto other people or taking it out on other people. 
and then feeling like crap. Like it's, it's a giant shit show, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> and it really is. And that's one of the, it's, it's one of the beautiful things, but it's also really one of the almost unfortunate things. It's like, cause validation seems like the most valuable resource hmm. in our culture, right? Where it's like, in, that's why Instagram's a thing. And that's why like social media is a thing. And, and that's why all these things are a thing. And the funny thing about it is like, all you have to do is listen to your thoughts and that's all the validation you're ever going to need. Hmm. Like validation really is not something that comes from outside of people. I mean, it, it is if, if you want somebody to validate the stuff that you won't validate yourself. But at the end of the day, if you just like find the parts of yourself that you don't want to listen to when you hear them out, then the need for validation disappears because you got it. Yeah. It creates that confidence. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah. And no, that's fine. It's just so weird to see how much of our internal needs we try to get met by other people, by manipulating other people into seeing us a certain way so that we can feel a certain way when all we have to do is just look at ourselves. And we can just bypass that whole silly thing. Like you, you don't have to manipulate people and you don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is be honest and the validation is built in. I really like that as well. Yeah, a lot of people are in this uh, position of posturing and it goes back to, I think we were talking about this before we started recording. People like to put on the uh, song and dance of having certain things like principles or, or things like that, spiritual principles. But in reality, like that whole facade falls down. Like they act like it's in their persona. Um, and the etymology of persona essentially means like a mask. <laughs> so that mm -hmm. mask falls off and then you're left with like this really shitty unhealth un i don't want to say shitty maybe unhealthy um attitude towards life when the the principle it might be a little bit difficult to learn originally but once you do it, it's super simple um mm -hmm. and it makes life so much easier because then principles don't really change principles are pretty much always applicable when if yep. you try to like act your way into situations it's going to change based upon whoever you're around whoever you're trying to cater to yeah. And it's not going to go well for you because when you, when you try to do those things, it's, you end up being a match for people that are, uh, manipulating in opposite ways, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, where it's like, Oh, great. I, and then the, the, uh, the authentic people who can like smell the fakers won't want anything to do with you. And so you, you kind of create these really bizarre self-fulfilling prophecies. That's why like projection is one of the big things that I've been focusing on lately um, because it's, it rules so much of our lives. This, this idea that, that I project my unintegrated parts of my personality onto people that I'm either highly drawn to or highly repulsed by that. All that is, is telling me, Oh, there's a part of myself that I haven't figured out how to consciously relate to yet. And I'm just making, I'm just pretending that it's them. And that is, I went through this process a couple of weeks ago where I tried to own every single projection that I had every single one, both positive and negative. Cause a lot of times people look at projection as if it's only negative, but there's positive projection as well, where it's like, Oh wow. You know, I really admire that person. And if you feel like you could never be like that person, then that's your work to do because the thing you love about them is actually a part of yourself that you're projecting onto them. So it's, it's already there. And so I went through this process of trying to own all of them. And oh my God, dude, there's so many it's like projection and, and unconscious views of other people 
that's so much of our experience. It's insane how much of our experience that is. Like just trying to own all of them for a week was a dizzying experience. I don't think we're meant to own all of them. That sounds really, really overwhelming. Um, it is. <laughs> I like how you bring up the concept of it being positive because I had never really thought of that concept before. And it actually makes sense in regards to like some relationships that I got into at certain points that were really, really toxic where I'm like, I really value all these characteristics about this woman. And then like at some point that shit shifted and it became like a really unhealthy relationship. But mm -hmm. it's like, I feel like the person changed, but it was my projection onto that person that changed somewhat. Mm -hmm. And I began to see unpleasant aspects of myself instead of the, the aspects that maybe I appreciate. Is that kind of what you're speaking of yeah. in some way? Yeah, and when it comes to relationships, it's, it's extra tragic in a way because you end up falling in love with them because they embody a part of your, of your personality that you don't let yourself embody. And so in that sense that it's beautiful, right? You're getting contact with a part of your psyche that you've disowned. And so you're like, wow, like, I, I feel like that's why people feel more whole around you know, soulmates or whatever. It's because literally you are. You're, you're getting in contact with the other side of, of who you are. So you really are more whole. And at the same time, if you don't do the work to integrate that projection, the, the, the really sad reality of the situation is that like they embody something that you don't allow yourself to because you hold that part of yourself down. Hmm. And inevitably, if you don't do the work to change that, you're going to try to hold them down too. And they're going to hold you down. And so the thing that you love about the person ends up being the thing you hate about them because... It was always just a projection of you to begin with. And so your, your baseline relationship with yourself and the part of yourself that they embody, which is to hold it down and to not really allow it to express itself, like that's your baseline way of relating to that thing. And if you don't fix that, then that's going to come out eventually. And that, like you said, the persona is going to slide. Next thing you know, this beautiful person that was doing all these wonderful, thoughtful things Suddenly you see that as a threat or you see that as annoying or you see that as something and you just want them to fucking stop. Mm -hmm. But the work to do is to integrate your, your positive projection so that you can find the part of yourself that does hold that down and actually allow yourself to, to be more like them in a, in a consistent and sustainable way so that when they do these things, you can love them for it and you can come more into a holistic, you know, kind of harmony with yourself. And it's just so sad that, that people can can find that kind of beauty in in another person, but then fall victim to their programming because that they don't even know that they have is just is so tragic to me. Yeah, I, I got a lot from that. It actually cleared up a lot of stuff in regards to relationships, especially the aspect of like if you're suppressing these traits in yourself, you're going to actively try to suppress it in other people on a subconscious level. Um, mm -hmm. That's really deep, man. <laughs> yeah. And everybody does it, man. Everybody does it, which is why I think like political discourse has gotten to the way it is. Right. It's like, you know, I like, I, I looked into the psychology of the political spectrum and it, a lot of the times it comes down to morals where, you know, some people are more about law, like, like the, the, like they give the examples of conservatives are more concerned about security. They want to make sure that like us and our families and we're okay. That's why they have the whole like America first thing. They're like, let's make sure America's chill before we try and save everyone else. And then on the other side, it's like, you know, the liberals care about fairness and equality and all these sorts of things. But they're so polarized that they, they live in each other's shadows. And so they can't see the value in what the other one is saying. And so they end up hating each other because they, 
they hate those part of themselves because it's like they don't want to be selfish. They want to be giving. And all these people on the other side don't want to be giving because it's like, well, we need to make sure that we're okay. And they, they, pro they provide a really valuable whole, just like most uh, romantic relationships do, where one person's more ambitious and one person's, person's more loving. Same with, with, with at least America, where I live. And it's like, man, it just doesn't have to be this way. It really doesn't. Yeah, that's one of the things that I really struggle with. Um, prior to everything, at one point in my life, I was I was more like left, like left centered. Um, I'd probably say I'm more centrist now because both of the extremes of both parties are incredibly toxic to me, and I find that they both perpetuate the other extreme even more so. Um, but but it's interesting to see, and then like I like how you brought up the shadow aspect of everything because that. For me, I have a harder time like accepting <laughs> the, the right for whatever reason. Like maybe it's just because I, I was more left centered at one point. But it's also like understanding that they're coming from a place of fear and wanting security, and they're putting this projection of being big and tough and talking a good game. Like it makes them a lot more approachable and understandable and relatable, and humanizes them rather than demonizes them. Like. Um, media likes to do because uh, I have family on both sides of that that argument and like they're they're all humans they all are caring people at some extent they're all dicks to some extent with their beliefs <laughs> in my opinion yeah <laughs> but like they're all people and they all really are trying to do what's best for them and their families but like if more people come to that understanding of politics where it's really not personal and nine times out of 10 people are operating from a, a, a space of fear in their choices. Like it, it uh, leads to better conversations, I guess. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's really interesting to look at, especially cause you brought up um, like integration of opposites. Like when you look at it that way, it's like, damn dude, it, cause it's very predictable results, right? Like you, when you deal with more liberal people, they're more open, they're more creative, they're more loving, they're more generous. They, they, their values are more about giving to other people and being nurturing. They, they kind of embody the more feminine essence. But then on the conservative side, it's like they want to make sure that we're okay. And there's, there's value to that because, you know, as a coach, one of the big things that I help people with, since I work with mostly liberal people, is they don't know how to stand up for themselves. They don't know how to be selfish. They don't know how to hold those boundaries that the conservative people are really good at. And so quite literally, we, we complete each other in a way where they provide the structure and they say, you know, here's how we protect ourselves and blah, blah, blah. Obviously, everybody's right and wrong about a lot of different things. So it's like, I don't subscribe to anything. You got to pick and choose. But it's like the underlying value is there of like, hey, you guys are really good at being loving and creative and seeing it all the ways that the system fucks people. Like, that's great. We're really good at, at seeing how the system actually does need to exist in order to make sure that you guys can be as loving as you are. And hmm. when, when you look at that on a personal level, it's like that's integration between masculine and feminine. Like that's what I do inside myself. It's like I have the loving, caring, compassionate, creative, visionary side of myself. But if I don't put that into a sustainable structure, then it's, it's unsustainable and it'll burn itself out. And, and I'll experience despair at never doing what I want to do. And so they embody these psychological pulls that it's really important for each of us to balance because it's like you will, like, if you don't know how to structure your life, it's like you might get really fucking depressed. And mm -hmm. if you have too much structure in your life, then you might get really anxious. And like, there's, there's predictable psychological sides to, to choosing one side over the other a little too firmly. 
Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up kind of the um, energy dynamic of it because it is kind of the alchemical <laughs> alchemical wedding and the philosopher's stone of it really comes down to that more central point where you're using the strengths of everything. Because on the extremes, like it's a Coke or Pepsi argument and then it comes down to, well, soda's bad for you no matter what soda you drink. So <laughs> yeah. maybe we should switch to something else. Yeah. Yeah, that's super true. Yeah, and I love that you brought up the alchemy thing because that's... That's it, man. That's it. You know, and and we're in such a really cool area right now in in the history of our culture where it's like a lot of shit's up for grabs right now. Like we're seeing good where we used to see bad, and we're seeing bad where we used to see good, and like the the chaos wheel is spinning, man. And we get to kind of do whatever we want with it. And so that's why I think this work of integrating the the, the personal shadow and the collective shadow. Um, it's not only it's really cool that we're, that we're even living in a society that we're afforded enough luxury to even think about this stuff. That's really cool. And we're also at a time where there's such big shifts happening that we can really do it any way that we want. Hmm. And so if we integrate the shadow, then we, we give ourselves so much more choice and so much more capacity and so much more ability to, to, steer, to steer the world and our culture in something that we know is sustainable through experience because if you can organize your psyche around these principles then you can organize a collective around the principles because the collective is made up of individuals so it's like start with mental health first hmm. this whole conversation of integrating the shadow brought something else up in my mind and this is more of a question and i guess there's no way that i can say it without it being somewhat pointed <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you think that like organized religion, specifically Western organized religion and the bastardization of kind of uh, the devil or like the more primal side or more shadow side of things is a direct attempt to control or manipulate people because if people are learning to access their shadow in popular culture, it's viewed as demonic or satanic or stuff. Like it has all these yeah. negative connotations. Do you think that that's an attempt to control people in some way? I don't know, man. That's interesting. And it could be, but... I'm going to be totally honest with you. It's a little bit of a bleak outlook. And I have this outlook because I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. I think people want to be controlled to a large degree. Mm. So it's like, do, was this intentionally set up to control people? Like maybe probably like there's a lot of evidence to suggest that the Catholic church was set up for that specific uh, intent and that they've put in a lot of work to be able to maintain that hold on people. And especially with the shit that's coming out now, it's like, it seems fairly obvious. But at the same time, people really want to be controlled. And I say this because with, with respect and reverence for it, because like I said before, it's, it's like it takes a lot of pain to be able to wake up and start to see through that stuff. And for everyone else, this work is terrifying, like life-threateningly terrifying. And for like my mom, for instance, you know, she's 67 and she's still a Jehovah's Witness. She's a widow. She lives on her own. Actually, she, she lives with my, my brother and his family now, but to know that she has some kind of structure that makes her feel safe and then knows that to know that she ha feels that she has a place, uh, some kind of understanding in the world and that she doesn't have to grapple with the existential terror that I did and she gets to live out her retirement happily. Like, I'm cool with that, you know? Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm super cool with that. But the way it becomes a problem is when people start abusing that power and they start intentionally manipulating people because whether or not it's intentionally done or people want to be controlled, there's still a huge capacity for 
for malice and for really just fucked up stuff. Like again, the Catholic church, like who knew? And even Jehovah's witnesses, you know, like they have this internal uh, justice system where it's like, they wouldn't report crimes. And so it was like spousal abuse and child abuse, like wasn't getting reported because they wanted to deal with it internally. And it's like, well, that's a problem. You're, you got people who trust you. And so I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both and it's, it's up to us to, okay, so to answer your, your question more directly, I think they avoid the kind of sovereign, I think they avoid instilling people with the kind of sovereignty that you and I are talking about. Hmm. I think they keep them dependent. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're not interested in, in a sovereign individual. That's they what I meant, the middleman. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, you know, like, get strong enough just get just strong enough to where you're still dedicated to God in the way that we say you should be. But, you know, achieve Christ consciousness, like maybe don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. They want to, they want to keep them hooked, not give them enough to kill them or like separate them, but like keep them hooked. Um, exactly. keep them coming back. They do a tremendously good job at it. I like how you brought up that, uh, more people kind of want to be led. And that's definitely something that I think a lot of people do, because like you had said, wake, waking up is scary. It's painful and it's a lot of work. And one of the things where I personally feel lucky and maybe you'll connect with this as well is like on one level being crazy enough to kind of want to go through this whole process. Cause I didn't really have any other choice. Mm-hmm. I really found that that was awesome. Um, and the other thing is I've been reading Carlos Castaneda's book series. Are you familiar with his work at all? Yeah. In one of the books, he talks about like power choosing. You kind of like you're chosen to go through this role because you're capable of, I shouldn't even say that you're capable of handling it. Power chooses people to go through this and whether or not they're capable of going through it, it doesn't really give a shit. It's just kind of like you're going to go through this experience and if you survive it, you're kind of going to come out the other end completely changed and different because of it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't fucking care one way or another. (laughs) Yeah. I guess maybe it is certain people are, are just supposed to have that experience. Um, this is circling back to something else that you had, had brought up, just a word that you had mentioned. You had talked about chaos. Um, are you familiar with chaos magic at all? Um, a little bit. Um, I have both a good and a bad taste in my mouth about it. Like I love some of the concepts that ideas are, are tools and our minds are malleable and we pick up the tools that we need for the moment in order to accomplish whatever goal we're looking at. I love, I love that element of chaos magic, but you know, Aleister Crowley is one of the grossest people to ever exist. And Hmm. so it's like, I have a weird relationship with it. Yeah. I didn't realize that he was actually like uh, the creator of it. I don't know that he was a creator of it. I, I could be wrong. I haven't really done a ton of study onto it, but from what I understand, he's the one that popularized it. Okay. Yeah. I've never really studied it formally. I like the concept of it, like kind of being like the punk rock of magic where you take what works and utilize it for you. Um, there's a lot of stuff in certain magic philosophies that I, I don't agree with at all. Personally, Mm -hmm. for me, again, it comes down to a more centered approach, um, path of the gray Jedi kind of concept. Like I might do some, some shit on the dark side, but I'm not with the intention of hurting people. It's always more so to kind of maintain balance because too much light, is just as damaging as too much darkness, that kind oh, yeah. of concept. Yeah, I consider myself a uh, chaotic good. Hmm. 
I, I used the term twilight worker before and like I, I don't oh, like good. using it so much now because like people are like like twilight the movie I'm like I'm not a sparkly <laughs> vampire but like leading people from the dark to the light or people from the light to the dark like being kind of like a a transitional person for people to help them find whatever side they're uncomfortable exploring because um, my life has been a shit ton of both honestly mm-hmm. I mean yeah, even my I mental think- Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think people who are, who are searching with sincerity are going to have that experience because it is always going to be a little bit of both. And, and if you're being sincere in your searches, then you're going to go to the highest highs and the lowest lows. Yeah. It's interesting for me looking at like my mental health condition what I, that I was diagnosed with. Like I don't really suffer from it much anymore, but bipolar, <laughs> I'm like, so you mean I got to go to both spectrums and the, the healing for this is kind of getting to that equilibrium state, which at one point for me was a very scary concept of like, so for me, equilibrium was like this flat dead state where there was no dynamic shift, but like Mm. really that's not how life works because you're constantly going to be going like this wave of in one or the other. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you work to kind of be in that middle space as well? You you had said chaotic good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, I can, I can do order and I can do chaos. I like them both fairly fine. They, they have their own different times. Because it's like when you're integrated and you're, like, owning a new lesson, then there's a lot of order there. Like, you know what's going on. You're on fire. You're, your psyche's put together. You know, things are going good. But then when it comes time to grow and you start to get new insights that a new part of your personality is ready to, to join the party, so to speak, then it's like you step into chaos. You step into the unknown. You step into like, I don't know this new part of me. I don't know who I'm going to be afterwards. And it's like, shit, I don't even know who I am anymore because I'm not exactly who I used to be before I looked at this. So it's like, well, okay, now you got at least one foot in the chaos. And then as you integrate it, you might put both feet in the chaos for a little bit. And you're like, like, which is to a certain degree where I'm at now, where it's like, I, uh, I hit like a milestone in my business and it was like, the, the version of me that would struggle to hit that mile, milestone is now dead. And that was to a large degree who I identified as. And so after that, it's like, well, I'm not that guy anymore. And I haven't fully settled into being the guy who can do this thing yet. So who am I? And it's like, well, you're in the chaos right now. Mm-hmm. And over time, you can put order to that chaos and you can put all the new insights into different areas, like a new schedule or, you know, like however you want to integrate it into your life. But it's like, yeah, I, I do a little bit of both and I consider myself like, I like, I think chaotic good is, is funny to me. It makes me think of like one of my favorite uh, comic book characters, which is Deadpool. And it's just like, you you do what you got to do. And sometimes morals are, there is a gray area where it's like some stuff that, the very classic example is like murder is wrong, right? But what if you kill somebody who's like hurting a child? It's like, well, it kind of changes things, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's worthwhile to look at those things and make our own decisions based off of, you know, a healthy relationship with the chaos. I really like that. What came to mind when you were talking about that is it's like playing guitar. Like you need to know some of the song, but when it comes time to improvise, you have to know how to just like let it flow and, and dive into the jam of all of it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Music is, is a perfect example of the mix between chaos and order because the, the music arrives or arises from something natural inside of us. 
you don't you don't really get to control it. You don't get to choose it. It it doesn't have a form that you can that you can put it in or that you can that it comes with. It's just free and it shows up. And then the music is there, like you've structured your ability to play the guitar or whatever your instrument is. You've structured your ability to put all the different sounds in a certain order so that it has an impact on the listener. And it's like, yeah, that is chaos finding its place in order. And so it's like, if you can do that, then you're kind of already riding the line. Hmm. I really liked how you kind of talked about like also connecting with parts of you and then understanding that that person is dead. Like as I move forward, like, so the, the spiritual Phoenix podcast is based upon the concept of I'm constantly dying and being reborn as I go through everything. Mm. But it's like oh, yeah. going through this journey of everything. That's something that I've really come to as well. Like who I was when I started all of this, like two and a half years ago, isn't there anymore. Even who I was at the beginning of this year isn't there anymore because I, I've made different choices and taken different risks. And initially there was some kind of like sense of nostalgia or sadness associated with it. And even that's starting to transform where there's a sense of enthusiasm. Um, mm. Something else that comes up though, and this is from the Carlos Castaneda book series. And I'm curious about your opinion on this and uh, journey to Ixtlan at the end of it, he talks about seeing these apparitions on his journey to Ixtlan. And the one character says that he'll never actually get to Ixtlan. It's like a metaphor um, mm. or life, but there's mostly apparitions on his path. And when he's capable of meeting like actual solid, real people, it's a very interesting experience. Um, I I'm sure that you grasp the concept from like this whole conversation. Like, have you experienced that? Like your, your whole life really, Oh, that's the other thing he talks about. He can never go home again because mm. home isn't there. And when I read that I was outside of my uh, therapist's office and I was like, it fucking hit me in the sense that who I thought my family was growing up was really just a projection of my own mind. It was all kind of fantasy. Like my whole life was kind of in that sense of like, and I can never go back to like, once I know something, I can't unknow it. So there's like mm -hmm. this sense of sadness in my whole life kind of being a lie. But then there's this empowerment of like understanding where I'm going. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely does. You know, there's this, there's, there's another thing about, you know, integrating new elements of the shadow that, that people aren't taught about a lot of the times is that you actually do have to mourn the loss of these things, you know, because like the, the, one of the ways I heard this described is like when you pull a projection back, there's a dullness to your reality and you, there's a death of the drama. Where it's like, if I'm mad at you because you embody this thing, but then I actually realize that I'm just projecting, project, bleh, projecting, and then I own my projection, then it's like, suddenly I can't get mad at you anymore. And it's like that little bit of, you know, drama that used to infuse my life and that little bit of like excitement that I used to get from getting mad at you. It's like, I don't have that anymore. And you kind of have to actually go through and mourn the process of, of these parts of you dying and fading away. And so, yeah, I, I do actually connect to that where it's like, it starts to kind of change the way you look at life and it changes the way you look at things. And I think mourning our interpersonal experience is something that we don't, we're not, we're not trained to do. We don't think about it a whole lot, but it really is a death. And it really are these like specters like you're talking about. And you kind of have to treat them that way with reverence. It's like, you know, like you did your job, you were a good soldier. Thanks for being here, but you know, it's time to go and we got new stuff to do. Mm. Yeah, I really, really enjoy that. Like, I feel like that's 
a good place to end everything too. Um, I'd be honored to have you come back on sometime if it fits into your schedule. I feel like we barely scratched the surface of topics we could talk about. Yeah, um, totally. I'd love to. Oh, thank you so much, man. And real quick, shout out uh, your Instagram and all that stuff one more time for everybody. Yeah, so uh, Instagram operation, just like the game, underscore Moksha, M-O-K-S-H-A. Or Chris Orozco on Facebook or any of the, anything like that. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I'll put the links in the show notes as well. Um, and I like to ask the guests to kind of close the show in their own words. So do you have like an inspirational message or whatever you want to tell people? Yeah. Um, the, the biggest thing is find the part of yourself you hate the most and, and love it till it becomes healthy. Thanks for listening to the show, Phoenix family. Just a reminder, we are fan funded and you can contribute with the link in the show notes. Other ways to support the show include leaving excellent reviews wherever possible, subscribing to our YouTube channel, engaging with our content on social media, sending me an email, or reaching out via voice message through the Anchor app. Your support is greatly appreciated. Much love and synchronicity. Peace.